Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. Okay, so today, I feel like this interview in particular has been a long time coming because we've waited for the exact right person to do it. It's true, (laughs) and we found her. (laughs) Today we have Gabby, who is a fellow water woman. She is a spear fisher, she is a free diver, she is just an all-around ocean lover and a sustainable fishing sort of expert, really. So, um, Gabby... Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Thank you guys for for having me. Well, um, I'm from Montreal and I just moved to Florida two years ago. I've always been passionate about the ocean, about photography. And now that I live in Florida, I really get to live life by the water. I get to enjoy it a lot more. And that's it. Just like living life in shades of blue as much as I can. I love that. Gorgeous. I want a t-shirt that says that. I know. If you make t-shirts, we will buy one. Yeah. <laughs> I will, guys. I'm making some. I will send them to you. Perfect. <laughs> love it. Um, so again, thank you so much for getting let's uh let's go ahead and start with you dropping some of your socials if you have things that you want people to follow you on. Yes, so my uh, Instagram and TikTok is Gjerbazi. So my First letter of Gabriella, and then my last name, G-E-R-B-A-S-I. And it's the same thing on all my socials. And I have a blog and website that's just my name, GabriellaGerbazi.com. And you'll find like my some of my pictures, blog, photography, causes I'm involved in, or like petition that I sign or that I share. And that's it. Like just things I'm passionate about. Super easy to find. And I love your website too. I was doing a little bit of back research for our interview today and it's, it's some pretty cool stuff to see. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So let's just start with your origin story, girl. Tell us about how you became a water woman. So I would say it's because of my, my dad and my parents who like basically took my sister and I traveling around the world. So like I said, I'm from Montreal. So I grew up in the city was never really exposed to water growing up except like a few times a year when we went on vacation and my dad was always into like getting scuba certified and like taking a snorkeling and as soon as I could grab a mask and snorkel I would go in the water every time we went somewhere and when I turned 12 years old he's like okay well you can now get like junior paddy certified open water diver and so I I did that. I thought it was so cool that I could be underwater for up to an hour and just look at colorful fish pass by and like look for sea stars and rays. And and then it's during actually the pandemic when pretty much everything was shut down. One of my friends invited me to go on a Bahamas trip to live on a sailboat. And that's where I learned how to free dive and spearfish because Everything was pretty much closed. So we were like, we had to be self-sufficient on the boat and just like stopping by like deserted islands to deserted island. And then we had a a, a little bit of produce, but then we had to like spear for fish or lobster or 
whatever we had to eat basically That's what so a bad. good <laughs> friend to have i'd be like please somebody invite me to live on a sailboat yes. in the bahamas please <laughs> so are you yeah, that- self-taught free dive and spear fishing no so the people i went with they were both um there were two uh free dive instructors so paddy certified instructors um and my other friend that was there like she's a spear fishing woman also from montreal and but she's been doing it for like over 10 years so she basically taught me and like I started by shooting like some hawkfish and little groupers and like now meeting people in Florida I just like do it more often and like I've learned a lot more but really like just by watching people and I love taking photos and videos so I feel like just seeing others do it and being with people that are way better than me has really helped my learning curve. (laughs) I, I think love that. You have the best origin story <laughs> we've heard. I lived yeah. on a boat. <laughs> yeah, but also like cool. just I always tell people like just for safety reasons, like I wanted to do the class just to know like, oh, if something happens, if someone blacks out, like I want people to know that I know what to do and I want to be with people that would be there for me. And exactly. yeah. like buddies can trust me or I can trust them. Yes. And I feel like we always talk about like who you surround yourself with, like that's kind of what you become, you know? So Mm -hmm. being able to surround yourself with experts and learn that way is such a powerful, powerful path. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Oh, that's cool. I already (laughs) love this. I know. (laughs) So Gwen, can we come and live with you? (laughs) I'm in Montreal right now. I don't think you want to live here. Oh, never mind. When can you come live with us? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm in a heartbeat. Right. Um, so I guess you sort of answered my next question, but, um, I guess I kind of, now I want to change it a little bit. I was going to ask you, how did you start fishing and when did that lead to sustainable fishing? But I want to know where, so you were on the boat learning to do these things, providing for yourself learning. Did it, was it automatically a passion for you or did it take some getting used to? Um, I guess it took some getting used to. It's like I've always loved eating seafood, eating fish. It's just I really never uh, noticed or paid attention to like where my food came from or like how it got from the ocean to my plate. And that that has really like learning how to fish and spearfish has really opened a whole new world for me and like really getting connected to my food source and seeing like all the steps of like okay the fishing part of like being in the water hunting it's kind of like the easy part sometimes like it's a whole process until we actually eat dinner and share a meal together um and it's like by spending a lot of time in the water too that I've been um learning more about sustainability of being like okay like this type of species it's true like we don't see that many big ones anymore so like and that's where we have to respect seasonality um size and all kinds of things to make sure that the fish that we catch is actually um sustainable because sustainability basically means that we make sure that there's fish and wildlife for future generations to come wow um yeah and you're in there you're like on the ground, boots on the ground, frontline doing it. And you can see all these things. And you just got in the water on a boat one day. And that's what led you here. That's incredible. I love it. I really do. I know. Yeah. I know because then after that trip, I was like, I was hooked. Like I wanted to go back to the Bahamas or 
I wanted to go back to where I could dive. And that's how I ended up basically in Florida and then meeting actually my boyfriend who's into spearfishing a lot. And now we get to do it together. But it's basically like my friends were, were telling me, like, keep doing what you love and then you'll meet people meet people there and that's basically what happened so it was great advice <laughs> yep that's very true and you're kind of embodying the whole I feel like a lot of us water types have the same like we want people to know about it and love and protect the ocean and you're like you step by step are doing this like you, you mm -hmm. got in the ocean you saw the fish you started harvesting the fish you started seeing the seasonality and the availability and you're really seeing it in real time happen that's incredible so I'm assuming that is what led you to this spot of being like passionate about sustainable fishing yeah and it's like by talking to other people and not really by by tasting it or harvesting it it's also like my personal preference or like I know some people like like big groupers for example and I'm like well actually like I don't really like them like it might look cool in pictures, but like they're not my favorite. So I'm going to be like spearfishing allows me to be super selective because it's basically you choose what type of species you want to hunt or like what size you want to get. And you you get to tell these stories to people after and they're like, oh, my God, it's so cool. Like I would never expect like a little girl like you to be out in the water hunting. And um, yeah, there's like all these little little stories that you get to tell especially my parents and my family I I get to share my experiences with them and through photography um it's basically like my my online journal here at save the mermaids podcast we are always looking for fun and sustainable businesses to support and one that we absolutely love is nudieware. I met the owners Christy and Ryan at a scuba cleanup right here on Oahu. They're a local sustainable clothing brand that makes activewear, swimsuits, dry bags, purses, and headbands in gorgeous wildlife inspired patterns such as the mandarin fish, nudibranch, and whale sharks. They donate 10% of each purchase to conservation efforts across the globe. Their activewear is made from recycled water bottles, and they even make beautiful jewelry out of the discarded fishing nets. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and use the code SAVETHEMERMAIDS to receive 10% off of your purchase. And if you're on the island of Oahu, join Nudiewear for their monthly underwater cleanups. See you there! So you did touch on what sustainable fishing means. Um, and we're, we're sort of focusing on the spear fishing part of this today, but in a broader sense with, you know, fishing companies who use trawl nets and fishing nets and the bigger ones, what does sustainable fishing look like and mean sort of worldwide? Um, so, um, like I said, like sustainable fishing really means like leaving enough fish in the ocean and protecting habitats, uh, and threatened species, ensure fisheries continue to thrive and making sure there's enough like for generations to come. So I would say that sustainable fishing really is also like making sure that you make choices that are smart for you. For example, someone living in coastal areas or in Asia, for them, it makes sense to eat fish every day. But people living in cities far away from the ocean, then maybe then you start for looking for like really sustainable options because your seafood has to travel pretty far to get to your plate. 
um and like especially through spear fishing like we we have so much like power in a way of like we have all these tools like fishing nets fishing lines uh rods but spear fishing it's really like the most selective that you can have of all of them and when it comes to commercial fishing um i'd say it's like basically like what you can do is like supporting um, companies that you know are ethical or organizations that do advocate for sustainable fisheries but with your wallet when you go grocery shopping you have the choice to support something sustainable every day yeah very true what are some of the um companies and like labels we can look for um i know the ocean wise label and um, it's used on seafood and like that's their whole purpose is really to identify um, what are the best choice and the healthiest choices when it comes to seafood and fish. And um, they really, they're one of the organizations that tackle the problem of overfishing. So the ocean-wise symbol on labels, and it's not a label, but I know in Canada, for example, they've really been tackling the problem of like mislabeling. So mm -hmm. right now in grocery stores, they're really like focusing on like trying to put the origin of the fish and being able to, to track where your fish came from to make sure that if it says it's uh, halibut, that it's really halibut. Oh, I love that. That's about time. I feel like Canada's a little better than the States are when it comes to that too. That's definitely one thing that I've seen, you know, when we just go at our regular grocery store here in Hawaii, it's different because we do have access to you know, getting our own seafood. But you know, if you're in you're from Colorado, I'm from Kansas originally, and in the Midwest, I didn't eat a lot of seafood because by the time it gets to us, it tastes really bad. But um, on top of that, you never really knew where it was coming from, it would just be, you know, non labeled in this giant section in the grocery store. And let alone how do you know that you're not having, you know, 60% of the net be bycatch? Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys still fish in Hawaii? We don't, but we want to get into it. That's why we looked for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to learn. I've been out twice and I got a fish and I cried. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's one thing that we wanted <laughs> to like learn from you as well. Cause like I eat meat, so I can't be like, Oh, I don't want to kill the fish. But in reality, it was an invasive species. I knew that it was okay, but we wanted to talk a little bit about like the ethical ways to end their lives and things like that too because I just had this fish flopping around and I was too anxious to kill it myself and put it out of its misery and then I started crying in the water and then the person teaching me was like really concerned because I couldn't stop crying it was the whole thing I literally go through like the same thing yeah <laughs> I like I can't finish it off and that's a problem for me so that was one thing that um I did see uh when I was researching you was um that there really are just just a seed nugget for people's minds about there really are humane ways to mm -hmm. end, end a life. And I think it's really important to know that that is a thing and that it's important for, to learn what it is. For sure. We don't want our fish or like seafood to flail around and like bleed everywhere on the deck. So obviously like having a good headshot or like the quickest death is the best one. Um, but I'm still a beginner or like learning. It's only been a few years. And so sometimes I don't shoot the head, but the quickest way to do it, it's a method called Ikijimi. 
ikijeme. It's uh, from Japan and it's basically taking a sharp knife or a really like, it's kind of like a screwdriver, but we use knife when we're diving and you just basically brain the fish as soon as possible. And this will also help preserve the quality of the meat. So you want to brain it and then um, bleed it from the gills. And that's the original method from Japan. Apparently that's the quickest and best, most effective way to end the fish's life. And it's the same thing for, for lobster. Basically you want to brain it in the head. And I've learned also, for example, when we harvest stone crab, that um, you don't even have to kill them. You There's a way to hold the crab and snap the claw that you want to harvest. And you throw the crab back in the, in the ocean and the, the claw will grow back uh, over the I, I remember seeing this on your story because I love following you, by the way. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I've learned so much from your page. But I remember seeing that in your story. And first, when you were like twisting it, I was like, oh my God. And then you wrote about the sustainability. It's incredible because we always think about having, you know, like crab claws and something as like a very fancy dinner. And obviously, you think that you have to kill the entire animal. But you showed on your Instagram page one um, that you guys had found that had like a, its claw was growing back and it had a little yeah. tiny claw. So you could actually see this guy had been caught before. And it's like, and he's okay you're eating yeah. meat but still kind of vegan I don't know <laughs> like the definition of sustainable and yeah, just like just keeps, keeps coming back growing his little legs back I also think and you could speak to this way more than either of us could because we're babies but <laughs> I I would assume that there is a a much more I'm gonna say spiritual for lack of a better word but a a more spiritual humane connection when Connected. you're the one doing this with your two hands, you appreciate more of what you're taking versus the ones that, you know, we're going to throw a huge net out. We're going to catch whatever we catch. It's all mm -hmm. going to happen at once. There's much more of a connection. Is that true? Yeah. A lot more like, especially like stone crabs or when you're hunting for fish all day and like stone crabs is a pretty like intensive process of like installing your traps, going to harvest them every weekend. And then like you have to boil the claws and you have to prepare the meat or like you make a recipe with them. And so it's like sometimes like days or lots of hours or days like to have your meal. So, but the first time I took my sister and her boyfriend, uh, stone crab harvesting, like her boyfriend did a prayer for the crab. When we really I feel like, like I would do this. I love that. Yeah. He's like, thank you, little dude. Like, <laughs> We appreciate it. <laughs> and I feel like that slow food and that connection is something that nowadays we've really lost with industrialization mm -hmm. because it used to be, if you're going to eat meat, you or your family member killed it, processed it, thanked it for its sacrifice, did it humanely and used every single part of the animal. But now we can just go buy, you know, 20 chicken thighs in a little pack at the store and not even have the idea that 10 chickens were killed for that right we're little so disconnected yeah and so that's very I feel like it's kind of like bringing your own power back with somebody like you who has been able to learn how to connect to that food in a way that it slows you down and it really makes you appreciate it which is really awesome and you're inspiring us yeah it's super powerful now I want to go get a spear gun I know. It's like we should we've, go <laughs> we've started to get like little octopus too in our crab traps and so we decided to keep them and then I was looking at like okay, well, what's the best way to end its life? And like, how do you prepare it? And it's literally like, takes hours to prepare for like this 
small octopus and um but like one of the best meals I've ever had and then like I really enjoy like making it for Christmas for my family and we were like wow these are like stone crab claws and octopus and fish that we all caught like this past couple weekends and it's just like so satisfying that to see like how it ends and like the community aspect of it too of like sharing a meal especially with my parents I think they're like a few years ago you would have told us that this is what you were going to do or that you'd be playing with octopus at the dinner table like we would <laughs> never have guessed it I'm obsessed with this this yeah. <laughs> whole like my hands are on it from start to finish kind of mentality and like Blake said I feel like we've lost that not just with our food but like everything. everything yeah we don't even build our own houses we don't make our own fruits clothes. and vegetables yeah, you know what I mean even yeah. just growing your own food making your own bread things like that I feel like yeah. when we slow down it's that community and connection aspect it means more because you get to show your love for your parents and for your family through all of the time you spent you know collecting mm-hmm. the the crab claws and you can taste the love in it. Yeah. Like I always tell my husband he's a better cook because he like puts love in what he makes. And I, I can only imagine it's a thousand fold when it's something like you, what you're doing. Right. But that's our dream. Like basically my boyfriend and I, when we have our house, like we basically like want to have like a deep freezer and buy like one cow a year from like a local mm-hmm. farm or like from a friend that we know hunts. We'll fish for our own um, seafood and fish. And then we'll have like some fruit trees, a garden, and like basically try as much as we can to like be self-sustenant, self-sufficient, and then get the rest at the grocery store. Yeah. And it really is. I mean, granted, we're all blessed with being ocean side, but mm-hmm. even, I mean, even in Colorado, oh, sorry if that made a noise. <laughs> even in Colorado, we had lakes, you know, there are water animals you can still do this for and it is pretty attainable like buying a cow you know if you know the right people to go through splitting a cow with somebody growing your own food it's not something for the rich or something for the super ambitious like it really Mm -hmm. is something everybody can do and I think that one thing to be stated as well in terms of like the sustainability aspect a lot of times we think oh if I just eat only plant products I'll be really good for the environment however if you're buying a bunch of quinoa that was grown in South America and flying it all the way to Hawaii Mm -hmm. that creates such a high carbon imprint that in reality it can be less than if I had you know bought um a guy who goes deer hunting on Maui and just bought that entire share of deer ends up being a lot better for the planet in the long run if it's an invasive species and things like that. That being said, mm-hmm. it's really easy to find local um, uh, farmers or hunters as well. If you're in the Midwest and you don't have access to the sea or you don't have access to fish, um, I know that there's a couple of different websites. I'll look them and link in the podcast uh, podcast page. But there's like you can do elk even or buffalo or animals like that, too, that have a lot healthier uh, meat mm-hmm. content as well, because they're not in really terrible factory farming conditions. They're out wild free eating really good fresh fruits and vegetables that they're finding themselves in the ground. So in reality, it can be it can be good for the planet, too. <laughs> it can be good. And yeah, it can be done, like yeah. you said. So yeah, because like those impossible burgers or like plant-based meat it's all like processed basically and like soy and like if it's your only option it's fine but for me like I've had thyroid issues for a few years and like I can't really eat those things like for me like fish has like all the magnesium omegas that I need and like 
such a great source of food. Like I love eating shrimps. Like I went shrimp uh, fishing once in Florida. This year I want to try scallop hunting. Oh, I had a friend in Florida who posted a video of one swimming and I had no idea that scallop swam. Like, it is adorable. It's the best thing. It's the cutest yeah. thing I've ever seen. So that would be so much fun That's... to just go scoop scallops. I want to talk <laughs> to you again after you do that. Is that okay? Yeah, we, please. Yeah, we we sure. We'll have you on for a scallop episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically you mentioned like I share things for example on the stone crabs in my story but it's basically when I learn about it I I share it with people but it's like I've just like researched it or like I've done it for the first time and I'm like wow this is so cool and like sometimes I share it on my story and I forget that like 10,000 people follow me on Instagram <laughs> and I'm like oh that's true like I'm not just sharing for my friends and my family but if I can help other people learn about the ocean or care about it more like that's why I do it Mm, I love it sister yes yeah absolutely <laughs> and I, like I love that yeah you positive are positive aspect yeah mm. the positive aspect of it and not being like all doom and gloom like I hate when people like make me feel guilty like that's not how you're gonna make me change my habits <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely that's so true yeah um uh, I want to talk to you forever <laughs> <laughs> so I guess now I want to go more into like you as a water person and like being a female doing what you're doing. Has it been um, challenging in any kind of way or have you noticed any kind of like, oh, I'm a female doing this and these things happen to me? Or do you feel pretty accepted into the communities and um, do you um, feel like the uh like barrier to entry yeah it's easy as or is able able to happen as a woman yeah yeah um it hasn't been hard at all for me like basically I think because I was lucky when I moved to Florida meeting people that already like knew a lot of people in the diving community or that I was able to spend a lot of time on the water um super easily but there is from talking to other women in the diving industry, especially spearfishing, that it's it's harder just because it's like charters are expensive and like most people that have boats or guys trying to like hook up with you. Mm. And so you do have to be careful about that and just not put yourself in situations you don't want to be in. Um, but like making friends with other girls, like there's communities on Facebook and especially on Instagram, it's super easy to meet people um and like people always talk about the bad side of social media but I've connected with so much other divers spearfishing people and ocean lovers around the world lately just because of Instagram I love that I know yeah we always talk about how the best way to make a change is like to make people excited about something rather than preaching because that's I don't know, whenever somebody tells me what I'm doing is wrong, you immediately have a wall up right but if instead somebody's showing you hey instead of buying you know mass amounts of salmon at your local market and you don't know where the salmon's coming from what if instead you went even just went and met a guy fishing at the bottom of a dock you know what I mean let alone start to take it into your own hands is like the most powerful thing that you can do so being able to use social media where it can have really negative sides of social media but just delete those comments and instead connect with the people who are spreading really beautiful positive messages on how to reconnect with the planet is amazing the only thing that's a, a bit harder to, I haven't experienced this, but I've seen it, is that I feel like the diving community is a lot nicer than the spearfishing community. 
Oh. So spearfishing oh. is a lot more like competitive and especially mm. it's a lot of guys and they it's like they all compete for like the same type of fish the same spots and the same clients um so i do feel like sometimes like guys aren't as supportive in the spearfishing community amongst themselves but if they'll see like a girl um shooting nice fish like everyone like is on that and like the girls are really supportive and they're like hell yeah like you go girl and like <laughs> i just just posted a story about like spearfishing for tuna in costa rica and how like i tried and tried and tried and like kept missing or i was too far and then i was too tired and so i just like assisted with like the second shots for like one of our friends or my boyfriend and it's just like you know it was really hard but like it was really good dive days good practice and like next time i'll be able to do it and like the girls are like thanks for sharing this story because usually you only post a picture with the fish if like you're the one getting it on the boat right yeah and I was like I feel like this should be told just because like I was super proud like even though I didn't end up getting one myself oh and maybe we should go get guns because I want to be a part of this community (laughs) and I feel like that connection like you're supporting your dive buddy in that you know you have to have you never want to dive alone we Mm -hmm. always talk about that as we're both like patty instructors never dive alone and we always say that but to be able to yeah you might not have brought in the fish but you still protected your buddy you still made Mm -hmm. sure they were okay they weren't getting hypoxic they were able to bring that fish up it's it's not something that should be done alone anyways and that's so connecting as humans Oh, that's what I said after, like, it was such a great, like, trust and teamwork exercise for us. And, like, people that I go on dive trips or, um, like, sailboat trips, diving, whatever, spearfishing, like, it's like you're instantly friends just because, like, you have so much to talk about and you're on a boat, you have no cell phone, no Instagram, no distractions, you just talk about what you love. And basically, it's like everybody wants to just play. They're like, it's nice outside, we should go on the boat and, like, have some fun. Like yes. play this with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we should. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just, mm, I love you. <laughs> Can we next be time I'm in, yeah, next time I'm in Hawaii, we have to hang out. Definitely, yeah. we're on Oahu, and we will take you to do all the things. Yes, so. <laughs> yes, we will. So, I guess, um, do you have anything that you wanted to specifically? Oh, yeah. Let me finish your question first. Do you have anything you want to say? Uh, no. Okay. I can't think of any. I'll, they'll come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to go back to like 20 minutes ago when you were talking about um big commercial fishing and we were talking about sustainability that way. You said something about the fishermen being part of the protection and that just tiny little sentence is mind-blowing because it's of course the solution like if you're gonna take you should give but I feel like so many of the things we see nowadays especially in um, consumerism they don't like you're a fisherman and that's it and I really wanted to touch on the possibility of like if you're gonna fish you do need to give back to the ocean and I just really really appreciated that you said that mm-hmm. I've read a book it was about mermaids but anyways they were saying that for the ocean to be bountiful it's kind of like you have to be grateful or like only take what you need or like give back to it and like make offerings whatever way you can so maybe it's it's a beach cleanup or by helping in some other way but like it's kind of like for the ocean to give to you you have to give back and that's so true like every single time 
we go to the ocean that proves to be true time and time again. Like when we go free dive and pick up trash from underneath or whatever, all of a sudden, you know, a seal swims by and (laughs) the the ocean gives you these wonderful moments because you helped it. And I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's almost instant Yeah. when I'm like, you know, I, I see a piece of trash and I pick it up and then it's like, boom, whale. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I wanted, we should talk about that book you read. Yes. (laughs) What, what What was the book? Because we do mermaid um, things too. Yeah. I, I will send it to you. I don't have it like, I think it was Lost Voices, but I will find it again. It's like one of okay. my favorite. And it's basically like the girl was about to drown and the ocean saved her, but said like, you have to serve me for a hundred years as a mermaid. Ooh. Yes. I want that book. Yes. <laughs> and, and so like, they have to like shipwreck people as like offerings for the ocean, like every couple of years so that the ocean can provide for for everyone (laughs) yeah okay yeah yes please (laughs) oh my gosh okay well I'm out is there anything that we talked about or we didn't talk about that you would like to get our listeners to be thinking of what else you want to say no I feel like um uh, you talked about being a, a water woman and like I have actually like googled that recently because for years like my bio was always uh, water woman living life in shades of blue and like I feel like in Hawaii especially like if you're a waterman water woman it's like you have to be an expert you have to be like uh good in like all water sports you have to basically be a lifeguard a surfer like paddleboard everything and I was like you know what like I I think I'm a water woman but I'm not like an expert in any of these I just like really love the ocean and some other definitions were saying like being a water person or water woman is about like learning the way of the water and just like getting to know the ocean and like wanting to protect it and wanting to be safe and promoting safety around the water and also the, the ocean can be a little scary even though I love it it's <laughs> kind of like scary sometimes yeah but yeah so I do think I'm still a water woman it's just like maybe not the typical definition but I think like everybody can be water people if, if they want to I love that. I love that. And it's so powerful too, because like you, all all of our Florida people who are just amazing and come on the podcast, we've learned that it, a lot of people have just now began to found what they're passionate about during COVID because we had that time to stop, go outside. It was the only thing you could do was be on the water. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that beginner mindset is so much healthier than like, oh, I've been surfing since I was two and I'm so good at this because it doesn't let your mind expand and let you learn new things because there's so much to be said in going after something that you're going to be bad at for a bit because that's what keeps you young and that's what keeps you healthy is having to continue to learn and grow as a person. And I just seriously want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us because we've both been interested in spearfishing for a long time. And again, we've just kind of been nervous to pick up the gun and go because there's not a lot of guidance, right? But I do feel like if, you know, you go to your local Patty Dive Center, more than likely they're going to have, do you guys in Florida have like the books about sustainable catch limits and things like that as well? Um, I, We look at it online. There's a Florida okay. Wildlife uh, FWC mm-hmm. and um, where we have to buy our fishing license for the year and like have the information on limits and sizes and everything. So it's online and there's an app, but I'm sure there's a book version as well. Perfect. Yeah. And I think a lot of states have that as well. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in trying to eat more sustainably and 
catch the things that you are going to be going for in terms of what you're going to consume. Make sure, of course, that like Gabby was saying, that it's going to be within those boundaries of the sizes that it should be, the catch limits that it should be. Uh, that way we keep everything sustainable. But it honestly, being able to eat sustainably and being so connected to your food is one of the most powerful ways to protect the planet. Because also, not only about the carbon emissions, but you're not wrapping your food in a ton of plastic. You get to eat it after you've taken it out of the ocean. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try and shoot uku in Hawaii. It was like one of the best fish that my friend speared. And we made sashimi with it like a few hours later and is my like one of my absolute favorite oh, if okay. we ever like saw one and were able to get it i feel like you <laughs> come come visit us and then teach us i'll ask somebody where the uku are Please. come teach us and then we'll totally do that and make sashimi and put it on instagram <laughs> be like it happened. <laughs> thank you so much you're an amazing amazing person and i feel very very happy that we and lucky that we were able to connect with you yes ray of sunshine definitely yeah um whenever you go scallop hunting and you learn more about that reach out and send us a message because we want to learn more about it because i'm obsessed with them and i feel like that would be so much fun because they're also really yummy yeah (laughs) thank you for having me it was so nice talking to you guys thanks gabby Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Thank you.